Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, you can be seated. I'm so glad you guys are here. Please make sure you are using hand sanitizer because COVID is back. A little weaker than last time, but it's uh, back. We have several people out with COVID. As a matter of fact, it's so appropriate that today, of all days, today, that um, we only had Wendy and Dan up here, which was kind of cool because on January 24th of 2016, we only had Wendy and Dan. How cool is that? And uh, yeah, so... That was really neat. I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting. Sorry for the people that are sick. I'm not saying God made you sick so we could have a cool moment. But it is kind of cool still. It really is. So that was a, that was a cool thing. Hey, listen, we've been talking and uh, going through a series called The Church Defined. And we have talked about various things. And uh, we've been in Acts chapter 2. So go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at a text of scripture very briefly in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and I promise I'll try not to uh, croak today up here. I, I, last week I sounded like a bullfrog the whole time, so that was not good. No one wants to do that. But um, listen, Acts chapter 2, I want to show you the, the text we're going to look at today. It starts in verse, it's, it's Acts chapter 2, verse 47. And here's what it says. It says, all the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I want to say it again. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And this is the part I love. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. What we're looking at today is, is that the Holy Spirit, which was promised by Christ because Christ said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm not going to leave you alone. And so what I am going to do is, is I'm going to actually send another that will come and he will be a counselor and a guide and a comforter and someone who directs you and on and on and on. He will be within you and he will come. And so Jesus has then ascended in to heaven and the Holy Spirit arrives and the people that are there while the Holy Spirit arrives think that the people are intoxicated because it's 9 a.m. And Peter says, no, they're not intoxicated. Let, let me clarify something for you. And so it's interesting that it was Peter that stood up and did the clarifying of the, uh, of the apostles because Jesus had told Peter, on this rock, on this rock, you Peter, Peter means rock, on this rock I will build my church. And so he was building the church and he would start with Peter in this moment, in this time. And Jesus had foretold that this would occur, and that's exactly what happened. And so they had seen miracles occur. They had seen the miraculous. Um, it was an incredible time where thousands of people began to accept Christ. And basically what you see in Acts chapter 2 is the formulation and the foundation of us. Are you with me, the church? Now, our goal here at Real Church is to make our church look like the Acts chapter 2 church and not like the American church today. Are you with me? The American church has a tendency to be more commercial, 
and slick and honestly sometimes uh, a mile wide and an inch deep and and we want to be a lot deeper than that and we want to be people that do what Acts chapter 2 says and so this series has hopefully shown you that the foundation of the church doesn't lie in how great the speaker does on Sunday morning because if it did it would be pitiful here I could have, I mean, you could laugh or you could say, no, it's not true, Pastor Barry, you're awesome. But obviously here everybody chose laughter, which is fine. It's fine. Anyway, it, it also doesn't, doesn't stand on whether or not we've got some kind of slick promotional things. And we've got a, you know, a praise band with a fog machine. Um, or a 300-member choir, or and on and on and on, whatever your desires may be of what worship should look like. What it stands on is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Jesus was the creator of the church. He's the foundation of the church, and He's the sustainer of the church. And I think a lot of us may have forgotten that. And so we took a few weeks and we decided, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to re-talk about our purpose, our mission, our goal, and our calling. And so what we've looked at, we've looked at how the church gathered together. The first week, it's important that we gather together as a church body. We've also looked at how it's important that we become disciples. And we are disciples who make disciples. Are you with me? We become disciples. And we looked at the ways that we can do that. If you miss any of these, you can go back and check them out online. And last week we talked about how we serve God and serve others. And I was so thankful that so many of you guys decided, you know what? I've been warming this seat long enough. I'm going to go serve God and serve other people. And many of you signed up to serve last Sunday. But this week is a focus outward. Sometimes churches can be inward focused about how great we are and come see what we're doing. But the reality is, is that we need to light the world. And that's the fourth thing today. Is we, we gather together. We become disciples. We serve God and others. And then fourth, we light the world. And I want to tell you a cool story. This is a cool, cool story. And I can't wait to start John because there's so much symbolism in John. And there's so much... There's so many layers in John. Every time I think of John, I always think about Shrek. All right? You say, why do you do that? Well, here's why I think about Shrek. Because there's a line in Shrek, all right, where, where Donkey tells Shrek that it's like an onion. It's layered. There's a layering, all right, and that Shrek has these emotions underneath that he needs to... Pull eyes like an onion is keep peeling back the layers. That's exactly how John is. There's layers to John. And so I'm going to show you one of the layers in, in John. In John, it was amazing. They were celebrating, all right, they were celebrating the festival of shelters. And this was established in Numbers 29. And they were celebrating the festival of shelters. And here's what they would do. God wanted them to remember how God provided for and took care of them in the 40 years in the desert and how he led them 
with a cloud by day and fire by night, how he led them. And so what he would ask them to do, and oftentimes they would actually live in it, he would ask them to take a week or so and to literally relocate, put up a tent. It would be like you and I putting up a tent in our backyard. All right? I would have a hard time convincing my wife to do this now, by the way. So I just really would. You know, there's, there's certain kind of people in life. There's camping people, and there's not camping people. And then there's those people in the middle that call it camping, but it's really glamping. It's glamour. You know, I had a buddy of mine that says, hey, man, you want to go camping with us? I said, uh... Uh, yeah, well, what do you guys do? And he said, oh, it's really nice, man. We got, you know, we all have beds. We got, uh, we got a, a washer and dryer. We got the whole thing in there. And I said, well, where's your thing? And he showed it to me. He had like 70-inch TV outside. I said, dude, you're not camping, man. You just brought your house here. You're going to take it back. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying. That's not what they did. They would literally have their meals outside. And at a moment in time, they would make a trek through the city. It's like a parade through the city. Meandering through on their way to, on their way to the temple. And then they would light these big, they were like bowls. There were 16 of them. And they would light them up. And the fire would come up at night. And all over the city, you could see the light at the temple. And it was there that Jesus read this text in John chapter 8. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, he was standing right under one of the lamps, by the way. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. We get our light from Christ. We don't formulate up the light, we don't work to get the light. We don't try to do good to get the light. The light that we have that shines out is only found in Christ. Because absent from Christ, there is no good in us. There is no light in us. And it was on this hill that we see, lit up for all to see, Jesus says, I am. I am. It's one of the seven I am statements. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Matthew 5 says it like this. Matthew 5 verses 14 through 16 says this. It's Jesus doing his sermon on the mount and he's talking to the people. And he says this to them. Because of his light, he says, you are the light of the world. Here it is. Like a city on a hilltop. Sound familiar? That cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. You guys remember that song, really? I'm gonna let it shine. 
This little light of mine is on. I'm going to let it shine. Hallelujah. This little light of mine. Remember that? I just sang that. was the remix version. Instead, a lamp is placed on a ware, on a stand, where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out to all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. It's us that are equipped with Jesus' light. It's us that bear the responsibility to shine the light that Jesus shines through us. It's you and it's me that have the responsibility to represent Christ, to show who Christ is to everyone that we see, to everyone that we encounter by the way we live our lives, by the decisions that we make, by the way that we treat people, by the way that we put faith in God and what he is going to do in our lives. By the way that we don't let circumstances get in us because we know, we know the one that is already in it. It's like the young men going through the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going through the fire. We get in the fire, but the fire doesn't get in us because, as Nebuchadnezzar says in the story in the Old Testament in Daniel, I see a fourth in the flame, and the, the fourth is the Son of Man. He is the Son of God. It's Jesus who walks beside us. And because we trust in Him, and because we know who He is, and because we put our faith in Him, then we too are a light of the world. And so today, I want to share with you a story that's really, really cool. It's going to amaze you in what God's done. Because the reality is, is that, and I was thinking about this yesterday. Uh, I like to think when I mow the yard, all right? Um, most of the time I'm thinking, man, my yard looks a lot better than that guy across the street. <laughs> right? I'm a dude. I, I compete, all right? Uh, there is a guy down the street I'm glad I don't live across from because he has way more time than I do. And so, and he has a watering system, and Wendy hates me, so she won't let me get one. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> but... Um, but uh, so I had to ma- I have to manually do mine. I guess it keeps me humble, whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was thinking when I was mowing the yard and I was thinking, I was like, man, you know, um, apart from Christ, apart from Christ. And I, I was thinking in, in, in my neighborhood because I, I'm, I'm on that thing called the HOA board. Um, I'm doing some kind of penance for some past sin. So God made me be on the HOA board. <laughs> And uh, I, um, I was thinking, I was like, man, you know, in reality, in reality, um, real church, us, me, our, our people, we're really the hope, the hope people that bring hope. We're, we're the people that bring hope because we have the hope in us. And we're, we're the only, think about this, y'all, we're the only hope that the world knows. The only hope that the world knows is, is Christ. And we're the ones that are supposed to bring it to him. We're the ones that are supposed to tell him. We're the ones that are supposed to represent him. And there is no other hope apart from Christ. It's just an amazing thing, amazing thing to me. I was thinking, gosh, man, that's a heavy responsibility. But Christ comes in and says, nah, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so all you have to do is follow me. If you follow me 
and you fellowship with me, I will show you the way to go and I will show you the truth and I will show you how to be the light. And so today I'm going to ask Lynn to come on up here and I'm going to ask a couple of my friends, uh, Roy and, and Don, to come on up here and I'm going to scoot this back because we have a little bit of a story to tell you guys. We have a little bit of a story to tell you guys. So you guys make your way on up here and I uh, got some really cool things, <clears throat> really cool things to uh to share. It's going to be really cool. Y'all come on up. Y'all have a seat right here. And uh, we didn't tell them we were going to do this. I'm just kidding. We, we, we told them. We told them I wouldn't do that to you. Yeah, you guys have a seat right there. <clears throat> and uh, what I want to do is, is uh, I want you guys to hear a little more of the story before we, uh, um, before we talk about what we're going to talk about. Um, so I've asked Roy and Don to kind of tell the story a little bit uh, of the church, the property here, the buildings, on and on. And so I gave them 10 minutes, but that was kind of funny because they're going to go longer than 10 minutes, which is fine. Uh, I just had to put a time down so that Dan wouldn't freak out that we were going to go over the service. Anyway, love you, buddy. So why don't you guys take it away? You guys talk about, you guys talk about what we're doing here. Uh, good morning. We're all here this morning, every one of us because of, uh, I call them God moments. They're miracles. And uh, you personally, you're here this morning because of miracles in your own life. Mm -hmm. um, if you're a Christian, if you're a disciple, there were, there were those God moments in your life and there still are every day. Well, the fact that we are together here in these buildings on this property is the culmination of literally thousands of God moments. Uh, miracles and so in a greatly condensed form <laughs> we're gonna try to keep it really short here so so I'm gonna start with the ancient history because uh, I, I used to tell my students I said, I'm older <coughs> I'm older than dirt I've been here a long time but uh, so let me give you the ancient history uh, Calvary Temple was founded in 1960 by Robert and Evelyn McCurry in, on Cleveland Avenue in East Point, Georgia. Pastor Bob McCurry was our pastor for many, many years, actually until 1998. We, uh, the school, Central Christian School, began in 1965. It wasn't called Central Christian then, but it was the very first class. 1965 with a kindergarten class. Mrs. Oliphant. Where are you, Mrs. Oliphant? <laughs> Mrs. Oliphant was the first kindergarten teacher, teacher in 1965. <laughs> so, and she's still here every day. I, I told her many times that I said, Mrs. Oliphant, I'm not going to retire until you retire. And I, I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> she would. <laughs> the, uh, so Calvary Temple moved in 1968, moved to 2560 Sylvan Road in East Point. And uh, we continued there for many years. And um, our first graduating class of Central Christian School was in 1973. That's the year I began teaching. And so we, uh, yeah, older than dirt. So I, we, had, uh, we had great times in East Point. A lot of the families lived around the church. and. Uh, because of a number of things, one of which the, the city of East Point would not allow us to build anything else. 
they would not allow us to expand any. And uh, <clears throat> so we began talking and congregation said, well, let's consider moving. And uh, said, all right, so do we want to put the church up for sale? No. We want to sell the church, but we don't want to put it up for sale. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> well, if God wants us to move, he'll send somebody to buy the church. Well, we're not going to put it up for sale. God's just going to send somebody to buy the church. Okay. Well, two weeks later, Pastor Broughton with New Springfield Baptist Church walks through the door and says, would y'all be interested in selling this building? <laughs> and so we uh, came to an agreement with them uh, for them to purchase the facility there on Sylvan Road for $850,000 cash. And at that time, um, 1988, uh, Pastor Ron and I sat down and we were very young and had big dreams, so we designed and I drew the plans for this facility here. We went from 18,000 square feet to approximately 45,000 square feet. And we were gonna do all of that with $850,000. And so at that point, we began looking for property. And the miracles just kept happening. We found this little piece of property out in the sticks called Coweta County. There was a two-lane road in front of it and a, a two-way stop down here where it crossroads. And so we thought, yeah, that was a good, good price. So we made the decision. We made the decision that we were going to purchase this property and we in, informed the real estate agent that we would be coming, that pastor would be coming on the Monday, a Monday to give him a deposit or whatever. And Monday morning we received a call and was and he informed us that a friend of his, an Atlanta lawyer, decided that he needed this property more than we did, so he had sold it to him instead. The problem with that was that he didn't realize that on Sunday afternoon before, about 40 of us had come down and walked. <laughs> he knows. We walked this property. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. The Lord, gets, <laughs> the Lord gets all over me, and I love it. We walked this property and claimed it. Work out. I knew I was going to. Okay. So when we heard or we were told that we didn't have this property, eh, we said, okay. Um, well, what do we do now? So we just happened to see this seven acres down the road, and we said, well, let's get that just in case. But at the same time, we never changed our direction. Like Brother Zeddy, they were still planning. They were planning these buildings. These buildings would not have gone on the seven acres. We just planned it like, like we knew the Lord had given us this property. Two months later, we received a call from this lawyer who said that he was having these little interesting discussions with a company called the IRS and were we still interested in buying this property? <laughs> <laughs> so, so we said yes. And so the Lord gave us this property and it was, uh, it was 
truly one of the many miracles because when we he said that we said well we we haven't closed on our other property so we really don't have any money so that's okay i'll finance it so just one miracle after another well then began the real the real work So we, uh, we closed on the property in East Point and our financial situation, and at that point we, the congregation, the pastors, uh, prayerfully decided that we would have no debt, that we were going to come down here and do what the Lord had shown us to do, and we were going to incur no debt. And so after the purchase of the seven acres and the 40 acres that we have here, for about $260,000. And the erection of these three buildings, which is another miracle that I won't tell you about, but um, we had about $150,000 left. Now, just so you know, <clears throat> you can't finish 42,000 square feet for $150,000. So um, I, I told, I remember telling Pastor Ron, Pastor Ron, just the electrical boards just the electrical panels. There's a big transformer sitting out here, if you haven't seen it. Uh, be careful, well, there's good lights out there now. <laughs> but uh, we, have, we have 600 amp three-phase service to these buildings. And there are huge panels, which hopefully you haven't seen. They're locked up so you don't see them, but the huge electrical panels. And just for, just for instance, just those electrical panels, there's three of them in the building two, there's two of them here, just that equipment would cost in the neighborhood of $40,000, just those panels. So I said, you know, there's only so much we can do. So we said, okay, well, we're going to finish the educational building, and, and uh, so we're going to do that. And through the generosity of our people and some other friends, we began uh, work on that. Right as we were beginning, we were doing all of the clearing of this land and all of the bulldozer work and motor grader work and putting in the drainage system and everything. We were contacted by another friend, and he said, there is a senior services building in Atlanta. It's only five years old, huge building, and they are demolishing that building to put in a new MARTA station. Would y'all be interested in disassembling and purchasing equipment and material out of that building. Yes, we would. So a group, a large group of men and a couple of semi-trailers went up there on a Sunday afternoon and spent a long time. And it was just another one of those God moments. So when you walk around these buildings today or some other time, all of these wood doors, these interior fire rated solid core doors which even then cost about $400 a piece, all of those came out of that building. All of the electrical equipment, remember the $40,000, $50,000 worth of panels? All of those came out of that building. All of our plumbing that's in this building came out of that building. All of the lighting that's in these buildings came out of that building. We roughly estimated somewhere around $125,000 to $150,000 worth of material that we got in about eight hours out of that building. 
and we negotiated a price with them, and we paid them $7,000 for that material. That was kind of neat. <laughs> so we were ready to build, and I'll let Don tell you about the building process. We started uh, these erections, the, the erecting of the buildings took place and they handed it over to us uh, on Labor Day, September of, 2000, of 1988. And so we began construction of this and we began construction with the men of the church and the teenagers of the church and the ladies of the church and they, everybody was here every day. It just, it was, serious God moment because it just there was so much protection I mean there was there were no major injuries there were no disruptions there was no fighting I mean how do you put that many people together to do all this work and not have some kind of disagreements it's, that's only a God thing believe me because um, we've been in construction most of our life and that's definitely a God thing so <laughs> but, but we did Everything that was done in this building was done by volunteer labor. We had one teacher who had an expertise in electric and he was responsible for all of that. We had another that was a plumber and he did all of that. It just, the Lord put the right people here to do all of the work. The whole, this whole structure is built from metal studs. So we had to screw all these things together and believe me, there was a lot of minor injuries when, when you're dealing with that stuff. But just uh, the miracles that took place while we were doing that, hanging the sheetrock, taping the sheetrock, it was just, it was amazing. And we just, we continued to work on that. And from September of, two, of 1988, we held our first meeting and school started the 1st of November in 1988 in that other building over here. And we, open that up uh, we had to use a couple of jiffy johns out the back doors to begin with but you know we were there and we were we were in session and so for 10 years every saturday night or early sunday morning we would set up these wonderful blue folding chairs with about a eighth of an inch padding on them and we would set them out and we would have sunday morning service sunday night then we would take them down and have school in what we call our cafegematorium over there. <laughs> so, then we would take them down Sunday night, we would set them up Wednesday afternoon and take them down Wednesday night, cause back then, you know, like all the other churches, we had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We had visitation, we had prayer meetings, we had them all, we were here all the time. And, but it was, it was a marvelous, marvelous time. And after doing that building and, and such a quick time and such a terrific time for everybody. It, we kind of hit a lull and it took us 10 years to finish this building after that. So from November 1st of 1988, on November 1st, 1998, we met in that building and as a group, we walked across here and had our first meeting in this building right here. And the Lord has been with us now all these years and so I'm, I was just thinking this morning it's been 44 years in the wilderness for us to get to this point <laughs> so, so anyway then uh, so we have arrived we the miracles that took place while we were building this building is uh, 
uh, attune them, like, like Lois said, we just, there's so many individuals and, and it was such a blessing. I mean, you're working and, and you got a bunch of, bunch of men that are just singing and it, it was just really, really amazing. Yeah, just a little side note, this, uh, all this volunteer help. I don't know if any of you have been, been a part of something like that. I got to tell you, it was, it, it was just God moment after God moment. To, if you've been in any kind of construction, and you see what's involved in building these buildings to realize that there were only basically two people that were here full time and everything else was volunteer. And just for instance, 2,000 four by 12 fire rated sheetrock, 5H sheetrock, very thick sheetrock, heavy sheetrock, all put up by volunteer help, you know. It just on and on and on. It was just absolutely amazing. One of the reasons it took so long to get in this building is because we had determined to have no debt. And we used all the money up. <laughs> so it took, you know, as we, as the Lord provided, we finished uh, this building and the office and moved over here. When we moved to this building, Pastor Ron became our senior pastor. And we continued uh, here. And then in uh, in late July of 2017, uh, Real Church joined here and had services after we had our morning services. And we met Pastor Barry and Pastor Lynn and some of you. And so we continued for a little while. And then just uh, a few months later, in March of 2018, our uh, lifelong friend and our dear pastor, Ron McCurry, very unexpectedly and suddenly passed away. And so at that point, um, we began a journey of prayer and seeking the Lord for direction. What should we, the congregation at South Point, do? And so for a period of about a year and a half, that continued, and with the help of a very dear friend, Pastor Greg Dixon from Indianapolis, who some of you know, and has been a friend of ours for many years, uh, this is another God moment. I don't, how many of you know a pastor that would f get on an airplane from, in Indianapolis, fly to Sharpsburg, Georgia, to Atlanta, Georgia, preach every Sunday, and then we'd take him back to the airport and he'd go back to Indianapolis? For a year and a half. Yeah, he's an unusual fellow. And the thing is, he loved it. <laughs> he's, uh, I told him, he's crazy. But anyway, just amazing. But with his help and with the help of the worship team at Real Church, who uh, provided our leading in worship every Sunday, which was a tremendous blessing, uh, for a year and a half, we continued that process. And and during that year and a half, uh, God did many, many things, and we got to know uh, Pastor Barry and Pastor Lynn and come to love and respect them. And, and uh, the, the ultimate, uh, the end of that process was the Lord uh, uh, directed us, and we unanimously agreed that uh, what the Lord wanted us to do was to join with Real Church and create one congregation here in this facility that God had ordained uh, for his service and his work, and that that was the best way for that to continue. And that brings us to January of 2020, when 
we as a congregation joined with the real church. And uh, from that point on, there's only about a million miracles, and I'm going to let Pastor Barry and Pastor Lynn <laughs> talk about those. But I, I would like for all of the, the former South Point members who are now wonderful members of real church to please stand. Yeah. And you see these folks. <laughs> Yeah, so just a brief history of, of Real Church. Um, it's not going to come as a surprise to many of you that our roots run deep in food. Um, it all started at lunch that Barry and I had at Red Robin, and uh, this was in uh, early 2016, or no, late 2015. Mm -hmm. And I had told Barry as a family that we had made a decision to no longer attend the church that we were attending, and so he invited me to lunch, and we sat down to have lunch, and Barry said, are you really leaving? I said, yes, we're really leaving. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm really sure. Is there anything that would change your mind? No, there's nothing that would change my mind. I was about to get irritated at this point, you know, because Barry tends to repeat himself sometimes. And he looked up and he smiled at me and he said, well, I'm leaving too. And so at that point, we kind of discussed what was it that we were looking for in a church? What was it that we felt like we weren't getting um, at a church that we were at and other churches that we had visited. And so we just began discussing this framework for a church that we were looking for. And um, at that point though, we said, look, let's, let's take a couple weeks, let's back off, let's, let's think about this individually, let's pray about this individually. It may be what we want to do, but it's what God wants us to do. And so we said, let's try to talk to each other a whole lot for the next couple of weeks and just see where we're about that. And so, Fast forward two weeks and we got together again at a restaurant mm -hmm. and uh, just felt very strongly that this is what God was calling us to do. And so at that point, you know, Barry had, had already discussed with the church that he was serving at that he wanted, his heart was to plant a new church and he had received the blessing of the leadership of that church to pursue that um, opportunity. And so we, uh, planned our first organizational meeting for January of 2016, and it was on a Monday or a Tuesday evening. I can't remember which it was, but we met at East Coweta High School, and we had about 30 people in attendance total. That was husbands, wives, kids, and we outlined our vision for Real Church to that group and said, we're going to start meeting in early March. And to our surprise, everybody kind of looked at us and said, well, what are we supposed to do until then? And we're like, what are you talking about? They're like, where are we going to get a church at this coming Sunday? we want to have church. And we were like, okay. And uh, I guess Dan's got a guitar and Wendy can sing. And so we cobbled together a church service in about six days. And we called it uh, Practice Church. Yep. And so we continued doing Practice Church every Sunday until we launched officially on March 6, 2016. And anybody who was at that service, please stand up. Can you guys stand up <laughs> at that service? So now, of course, you know, I'm going to feel bad by saying, you know, so the, for the next 15 months, we set up and broke down every Sunday at, uh, at East Coweta. It wasn't quite 10 years, but it felt like it, okay? All right. <laughs> Generations are different. That's right. And so every Sunday, we had a group of volunteers who would come in and set up and break down. And as much as possible, we tried to turn the cafeteria at East Coweta High School into a worship center, but there's only so much you can do. And on top of that, you know, we had to set up whether it was raining or whether it was hot or whether the air conditioning wasn't working. 
you know, and, and I could just tell at the end of that 15 months, it was just really taxing on our volunteers. And um, about that time, we had some families who had students who were going to school here at Central Christian. And they came to us and said, hey, you know, the church that founded the school still meets there, but there was a Korean church that was renting the facility um, in the late mornings and the afternoons. And the Korean church is now relocated. Maybe you guys should go talk to them and, and see if there's an opportunity there. And so Barry and I scheduled a meeting with Pastor Ron at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were actually right across the street at Dickie's. And we met with Pastor Ron for about two hours. And we kind of outlined for him what our, what our thoughts were and what the opportunity was here. And so he brought us back across the street and we just took a quick tour of the facility and said, hey, we, we would be interested in, in making a proposal to you. And so we went back and, and put together that proposal. Now, you know how it is with most proposals. You make a proposal, and then there's a counterproposal, and then you work out the small details, and everything's great. Well, we made a proposal, and it was soundly rejected without comment. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, I think the answer was no. No, yeah. And so we, we had proposed a little too much that we, what our plans were uh, for the facility. And so at that point, Barry's kind of like, well, I guess we're staying at East Coweta. And I said, I think there might still be a deal to be done here. Let's, let's think about it again. And so we, we regrouped and came back with a second proposal and worked out a few of the fine details. And then that led us to coming here to meet for the first time in late July of yeah, 2017. Yeah, add one thing to what you're saying. So um, Lynn uh, and the rest of our staff, uh, their wives and husbands, um, all of our leadership team uh, and their spouses, um, they all were on board to move here. And there was only one person that refused to be on board to move here. And that was me. <clears throat> I didn't want to move from the high school. I thought it was a mistake. And one, I'll never forget it, one afternoon and I was in the kitchen cooking something and I was talking to Wendy about it and she was like, hey listen, you know, you got all these people around you who you, you, you say you want to take wisdom and you say you want to submit and these godly people around you are telling you that you need to do this. And, um, and she said, listen, if this thing goes south, we can always just load up the trailer and go back to EC. And I was like, hey, we can. And so I was like, yeah, Lynn, I think we need to do it. So I will tell you just as a side note that if everything does go south, we still have every stitch of material. So we can actually go back. We don't. We do have every stitch of material. We really do. But we're not going anywhere. Go ahead. Lynn. That was it. Okay. So, so we ended up coming over here. I ended up, um, we actually, uh, after being here eight months, um, we, I, was on, I was on a treadmill uh, in Sonoy and, got, and started, my phone started blowing up and they was telling me about the passing of Pastor Ron and I was shocked uh, and we just wanted to come up here. And so I called Lynn, we came up here uh, and ministered to anyone who needed it. Uh, we did the same thing on Thursday uh, and then Friday and we helped out. We wanted we we wanted to get with the family, and we did. Uh, they had everything planned out for for the service. We actually ended up just doing all the multimedia and all the sound and everything for the service. And that following Tuesday, we actually met with Roy. Uh, it was funny because we met with Roy in the library, and the library has those little bitty chairs. And so you got three grown men sitting in these little bitty chairs, talking business. Anyway, and I didn't know what Roy was going to say. I didn't know if he was going to say, "Hey, brother, we love you. You know, we love you, but we don't love you that much. So get out." And uh, but he didn't say that. He was like, "Hey, we'd like to we'd like to continue the relationship with you guys." And I said, "Well, 
uh, okay, can I ask a favor? And he said, yeah. I said, can we expand what we're doing? And he said, what are you talking about? And I kind of just started talking to him about some things and some ideas. And so we met over a series of weeks, and they decided to let us do crazy things like pull up the carpet in here. Uh, we did. We pulled up all 15,000 square feet of the carpet all through the whole building, and we ended up throwing that in a dumpster. It took two hours to, uh, to clean, to pick, get it up. Um, the carpet was slightly dated. I'm just going to say that and move on. It was slightly dated, but, uh, but we took all that up, and then, uh, if you can believe this, um, over the next six and a half weeks, uh, I ran one of those little buffer things back and forth all over this place, uh, and, and Lynn and I did that uh, in addition to some volunteers that were here, and we actually ended up stripping all of the uh, glue off of this, which sounds like an easy job, but it was really difficult. Uh, we ended up doing that. We ended up doing some painting. This sanctuary used to be purple. If you can believe that, that's a funny story. We, uh, we, uh, um, we ended up, uh, we, it was like a mauveish color. And so we decided we wanted it to be gray, light and dark gray. And so the painter came in and he was painting everything in the evening times. And one of our leadership team members called me and said, hey, listen, bro, are we going for a Prince vibe or what's the deal? And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. He said, the sanctuary is purple. And I said, no, 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 that's the mauve that was before. He said, no, bro, the painter's done, it's purple. Uh, I think he had gotten to over here, and I said, I'm coming up there, tell him not to paint anything else. And sure enough, Sherwin-Williams had made an error, and so the whole thing was purple. So, um, uh, yeah, it was, that was fun. And so, and so we sang When Doves Cry, and then we had them stop. Uh, we, had them, we had them stop doing that, and so we ended up, we ended up. Uh, having it repainted, and just every summer we wanted to do something big for the campus, uh, and we started doing big things around the campus, and our relationship continued to grow with the with the church. Our worship team, actually it was our worship team that fell in love with the people that stood up a while ago. Our worship team fell in love with those people, and, and when I tell people who don't know uh, the South Point, I, I tell them, and I, I'm not to be critical, but I tell them this, I always say, hey, listen, uh, we joined with this with this church, and I said it's a little bit older congregation. And they're like, uh, "How's that going?" Because they know that my methodologies are mostly contemporary. And I said, "No, no, no. They're they're older, but man, they got a fire." <laughs> and they're like, "Okay, cool, 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 cool." And so basically, we ended up going through. Roy and and uh, and Don approached us um, about uh, about joining. Uh, we had talked through that. Uh, over a series of months uh, about them joining us. Uh, they also, he also asked me if I would be willing to oversee the school when I said no. Uh, and uh, then we prayed about it, thought about it, and I went with Lynn. Just to let you guys know how things work, these two wise men along with the rest of the, the elders of, of South Point, they always felt like that, the, that the, the school, the school needs to be completely separate from the church. That's the first thing. But they also felt like that the, that the church always needed to be the anchor the church always needed to be the anchor here. So in reality, on paper, the school actually rents from the church. The church owns everything. They own the whole property, all the buildings, they own everything. And so, but they really felt strongly about that. At the time, Lynn was part-time for our church. He worked for part-time for years. Uh, and, and we saw an opportunity for us to be able to bring him on board, both working for the school and the church, and bring him on full-time. And so that's what we did. So we meandered along, and there were some other cool miracle things that happened, but we ended up um, having some more conversations and some more conversations, and finally, you guys, uh, I guess what we're here for in the celebration uh, for Celebration Sunday is, is that after six and a half years, 
uh, of Real Church being planted in a miraculous way. And anyone who knows me knows that I've told the church from the get-go that we will not go into debt as long as I'm the pastor of the church, period. It's not happening. So if you want to have a church with big, huge, beautiful buildings or whatever, you can go. I mean, we're just not going to do it. We're, if God wants to provide that, he'll provide that. And like God always does, my thought was, was that if we could just have a, a small little church, you know, on, on our little acre or two where our members could come and hang out and we could do ministry and love on people, that would be great. But God did uh, exceedingly and abundantly more than I could ever think or imagine. And so to make a long story short, today, as we sit here today, um, I want to tell you guys that um, today um, this facility and this property is now owned by Real Church. We met, we met Wednesday with these gentlemen and every, everything, all the deeds were signed and everything was signed over. And so today, today I want you to, I want you to comprehend what, what, what's happened. What's happened is, is that God has saw something within us and he has, he has just the, the mentality I think that we have, the, the mentality that we don't put emphasis on money and, and we don't put, we put emphasis on people and loving people and ministering to people and being a light. And so I believe because of that, because of that, because he knows that, that we can be trusted, he knows that we will not uh, forsake him and we will not forsake what he does for us. We will continually do and go exceedingly abundantly more than, than people have asked us to do. We will do everything we can. I always tell them, we always go back and forth and say, whatever the highest ethical, moral, moral, whatever the highest ethic is, that's what we want to be. The highest character, that's what we want to be. And so it's crazy to me. I'm blown away. We both just sat in our chairs after they left and we're like, dumb old us sitting at Red Robin and here we are. <laughs> Who knew? And the best part is, is it, it's all completely debt free. So, so why do I say that? Why is it so important? Why is being debt free so important for a church? I'll tell you why. Because I don't want to give the bank a penny of interest that we can give to a needy person, to a, to a single mom, to someone who's in need, to someone we can minister to, to someone we can show Christ, to someone we can help. I don't want to do that. I want to give every cent that we have over. I want to give everything over uh, to God for his use and his purpose. And one of the things we try to do around here is make sure all of you see. I don't want you just to know what we're doing. I want you to see it in action. And I want you to see that we are a church of our word. I want you to see that. Amen. And so we're thankful for you guys. We're thankful for the history. We're thankful for the just I'm blown away. Lynn and I are both blown away. So just as a commemoration, what we did do is, and you'll see this from now on when you walk up coming Outside, there's going to be a little sign. It's not very big. It's going to be a little sign because we don't ever want to forget what God's done in the past. I have a friend of mine that writes down all the good things that God does for him. And when he gets feels low, when he feels down, when he feels depressed, he'll open up that book. He keeps it on his coffee table and he'll start reading all the things that God's done. We don't ever want to forget what all God has done here for both in the past and what I feel like he's going to do in the future. And so Lynn, Lynn asked me to read this because he said he would cry. <laughs> So it says, Legacy Sunday, August 28, 2022. On this date, the elders of Heritage Baptist Church transferred ownership to this property to Real Church Coweta. This property was claimed in the name of the Lord 
by Heritage Baptist members in the mid-80s, and those members proceeded to relocate their church and Christian school to this location over the next several years. In the years preceding this transfer, Heritage Baptist Church members desired to entrust this property to another church so that this land and this, these buildings uh, would continue to be used for Christian ministry. Real Church and its board of directors is humbled in his honor to continue the legacy and the vision of Heritage Baptist and its members dating back all the way to the church origins in the late 1950s. So this will be yes sir yes sir so that is what we're celebrating today and like good baptists we do have cupcakes to commemorate the, the celebration we start with food we, start we end with, with food. food there we go we end with food so i'm going to ask you guys to give these gentlemen a hand and you guys can go back to your seats yeah good stuff good stuff good stuff good stuff so listen, I want to tell you something. I want to, I want to tell you something. I'm going to ask the praise band to come on up. I want to tell you something. It's your responsibility. I want you to understand this. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility, church. It's our responsibility to light this area of our county. It's our responsibility to be the light that Christ shines through you. It's our responsibility to be the one that God can count on and the one that God can use. It's our responsibility. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't know this, you know it now. God's done his part. Hasn't he? Yes. He's done his part. Now we have to do ours and we have to be the light. Today I want to invite anyone who wants to come and say, you know what, I think I want to, I think I want to be a part of that church. I think I want, to, I want to jump on board and, and I want to know what they're doing. I want to see what they're doing. I want to jump on board. If that's you, I'm going to invite you during the song to come down front. And like always, if there's some, something that you need to, to give up, if there's some burden you need released, if you need prayer, I want to also invite you to come down then. As always, our altars are open. You'll notice something about our altar, though. We, we never pray alone. If you will come down front, you're going to have a hand on you pretty quickly because we want to walk with each other and we want to help each other and we want to be there for each other because that's who we are, because that's who Christ wants us to be. Let's continue. Let's stand up and let's sing. Everybody, let's sing. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.